You are listening to the Outer Hours Guest Series Podcast. On today's episode, we have Leveled, a military vet, video editor, podcast producer, content creator, and former physical trainer. The man knows no limit. If you enjoy our content, please feel free to give us a follow over on Twitter at Outer Hours or Instagram at Outer.Hours. If, if I can here, as we mentioned the Marines here, I do want to take just a, a quick dive into the young mind of a young leveled. What mm-hmm. was your thought process to going into the Marines? Was your family supportive of it? Was it something you knew you wanted to do? Or was it kind of you wanted to do it? Family wasn't necessarily like, you know, gung ho about it. Mm. So I'm going to I'm going to take it. Oh, go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I just want to take a quick. I just want to take a quick cheap shot at the Marines. Okay. Marines, muscles are required. Intelligence is not essential. Okay. So there okay. was no thought process in okay. joining. Are you Army? <laughs> yeah. Okay, ain't yeah. ready for the Marines yet? You talking about ain't ready for That's the Marines fine. yet? Is that what it was? <laughs> I- <laughs> Whatever you say, Uncle Sam's misguided. I've never children. heard that before. I like that. <laughs> no, nah, so um, I actually come from a long line of Marines. Um, I was actually the first enlisted Marine in my family. All my other... Marine family members were officer side and actually have my cousin is he's officer side right now. He just picked up major. He's still in. Uh, But like I had a lot of career Marines in my my family, like my great grandfather was a three star general during World War. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, my grandfather was during Vietnam. My dad was during desert storm. My uncle was during desert storm. Um, so we just had a long line of like Marines. And so it was just made sense. But another part of that personally though, I was a piece of shit when I was younger. I feel that. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do at all. And, um, literally my grandfather's like, when I told him to go on the Marine Corps, he's like, you're not gonna be able to make it. And that was like, maybe he's right. I was like, okay fuck you. I'm going to do this. Right. That's literally like what my <laughs> thought process was. It's like, you know what? Fuck you. And they're like, you should, you know, I didn't have a college degree. I think I was 19 when I enlisted and literally it was like, I fast tracked in there. I didn't do any homework on the Marine Corps. I didn't do like, you're, you're supposed to look into like, this is what's going to happen during boot camp. I was like, put me on that fucking bus and I'm gone. Like, let's go. Like just send me to South Carolina and let's spend the summer. there. Yo, I didn't know shit. They're like, you know, uh, when you go to the Marine Corps, they have something called a ROTC Nazi and ROTC cadet, right? And all these guys like knew how to drill and knew how to like all this crap, right? But I actually was at an advantage when I went because I didn't know anything. So I was super malleable. I was able to learn everything from scratch. I didn't have to unlearn anything because I had no idea what I was getting my head into. But when I was in the Marine Corps, I learned that I really excelled at pushing myself. That's one thing I'm very good at is um, just to pat myself on the back is like, (laughs) I've always been one of those kids, even when I was a kid, like if someone said, hey, there's a test coming up, I would study my ass off, even though I knew I was going to ace it. I was a good test taker. I just always fucking single track minded when I put my mind behind something like that's what I'm doing. Hell or high water. That's what I'm doing. And so when it came to the Marine Corps, I just used that same mindset and I really excelled at the Marine Corps. Like I, I it was a good time for me. I like if it. you were 19 today, would you reenlist today? Uh, if I was going to reenlist, I'd definitely go Air Force because they got some money. Okay, listen. Okay, people, Thank you. people are shaking their heads. But everybody in the Marine Corps, <laughs> I'm telling you right now, every single person in the Marine Corps would say the same fucking thing I'm saying right now. So I know I'm not alone, okay? <laughs> yeah. They pay better, better stations, better – like, okay, let me tell you a story. So, all right, 
uh, there's this thing in DC called uh, Armed Forces Week, and what they do is like you bring some some military equipment and you bring it and they showcase to the public, right? It's awesome. Okay. But what happens is is that they throw you in like a hotel and like so I was a part of a um, I was a part of a. Um, artillery unit so we brought up a piece of artillery and seven ton and all this shit we brought it up there and we got to stay at like this huh m triple sevens was a one nine or eight yeah yep 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 yep. m triple seven baby right there get this military talk away from me yeah one five five mike (laughs) baby this that we were shooting around down range man yeah but uh sling it 30 miles down range you know it you know it all day every day king of battle baby i actually have a shirt that says king of battle on the back for a reason um so when we were there, like they put us up in this thing called the Gaylord National Hotel, which is like this really five star swanky hotel. And like as Marines, I'm used to sleeping in a truck and I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here? This is amazing. But then lo and behold, I talked to some um, I talked to some some Air Force guys and they're like, this is what we do. This is normal. Like this is normal. I'm like, OK, wait, how much are you getting paid? They're like, yeah, we're, we got paid about three K for this week. And I'm like. This week. <laughs> this week they pay me in crayons bro what is this hey, like everybody you know needs a snack they gave me <laughs> yeah it's like you normally they gave us the eight pack but they were feeling generous so we got the 16 pack of crayons right bro i was like what has happened and then on top of that like as i was in the marine corps going like base to base and especially when i was at okinawa um there was a uh, air force base over there that everybody wanted to go to called kadena air force base Everybody yep. wanted to go there because it had that was the party base. The party base. It had all of the restaurants on there. The best PX store. Like the if you go to the barracks, it looked like a five star hotel where my barracks was like literally rotting from the inside, like literally mold leftover from World War Two. I can't lie to you. Like I went on. So we went on a month trip. We went to Hijidai, Japan, for like a shoot. Right. We came back a month later, and all of my uniforms had mold on it because the AC died. And then here are these assholes in Kadena Air Force. Base, getting paid triple of what I'm making, doing nothing, not going to the field, and living like kings. So if I could go back when I was 18 in a big roundabout way, I'd be like, I'd punch myself in the face. I'd be like, you're going into the Air Force. Take that same Marine Corps mentality and go, bro. Just, just get in That's there. That's possibly and the best would- answer. I asked Benji the same question yesterday because when I went through debating about reenlisting, I was looking at the Air Force exclusively because I want air conditioning and I want steak. Benji yeah. chose the Navy, which is you're wrong. I chose the Navy. You're the wrong. incorrect uh, answer. You actually get to see the world. Yes, in- you actually get to see the no, world. No, no. I had a buddy of mine. So this is before I joined. I had another guy of mine who, when I lived in Florida, he also joined the Navy. And again, he got to see the world and all that shit. But you don't, you don't realize. It's not like they fly you over to go see the world. No, you're you gotta on be a, on the boat you're on a, that you share a bunk with somebody. For months. <laughs> not not just like two weeks. I'm talking months. Yeah, I know. It's six months. You know, you, you go to sea for six months, you come back. I know that, but I, I would go near. I think I would have a better time because I would actually go to like Italy. So here's an easy Europe, way for to decide France, if you really want to go on the Navy. If you would go to the Navy. Mm-hmm. Go on a cruise and sleep in the broom closet the entire time. And if you still enjoy it, I've already been on. Did a you cruise, stay man. in the nah, negative? No, not like that. Negative, not like that. Again, I know, dude, fly went like down. A, not a twin. Oh, yeah. that you get like a little feather pillow. 
yeah. and stay there and the do whole that time for months. Yeah, half do a for year. months. Yeah, yeah. do it for months. Yeah, like that's the thing that my buddy he said he liked it. He loves the Navy. He's still in the Navy right now, and he he ranked up really fast. And he was like some kind of uh, I think he's a radar tech or something, right? So he loved to be on the Navy, but he got dude. He was telling me horror stories about when he first started. Like until you rank up, you get just shit. You're just in the shit areas, oh, yeah. so, bro. Like, Seaman third class. Yeah. You're next to the reactor. You got to sleep with a light blanket. You're going to grow a third. <laughs> yeah, dude. So, I mean, he got, he had some fun, but at the same time, he had, he had the same answer I had. He's like, those Air Force fucks get it so easy. I was like, I know. I, I refuse. I See, refuse. No, man. For my family, wrong, they were dude. all Air Force. Um, and when I right. was enlisting when I was 17, uh, going on 18 at the time, my mindset, I wanted to be an Army Ranger. I thought that was mm. the creme de la creme. Uh, you don't. 17 <laughs> grew up in suburbia <laughs> army rangers were the the cream of the crop for me now i didn't go in the track to be an army ranger but i went in the army and i was only gone for maybe two months total before i was discharged for medical issues um mm. and my when i came back to quote unquote for me you know civilian life during my hard transition of two months it's, it's amazing how many things you take for granted. Now, I was only gone mm -hmm. for two months, and I felt like that. How long were you in the Marines, and how was that transition back from, you know, living the military life for as long as you have to now you can do whatever you want whenever you want to do it? Right. I had a 6-2 contract, so I was in for six years active, two years inactive. And um, on the back end of my service, I actually transitioned back into life a little bit easier because I actually, at my four-year point, I actually went back and was reservist. So, And I know everybody hates on reserves, but my family was starting a business and I wanted to help them. So it was kind of like a win-win a situation. I got to be home. I got to still do my Marine thing. But then I kind of transitioned slowly back a little bit easier. Right. But then things came kind of crashing down. That was the plan. And then literally, I would say four months before the end of my contract, um, I ended up – something happened. I don't know what happened. We don't know what happened. But regardless, I ended up getting something called CIU, which is called Chronic Idiopathic Urticaria. And it basically made me break out in hives. It made me like have these terrible allergic reactions and get puffy. And then it was just a mess. And on top of that, I had these like really bad. Um, I had these really bad like stomach problems where I had like I had like cyst growing in Ooh. there. It was a fucking mess. Medically, it was a mess. Yeah. So obviously the Marine Corps is like, yeah, you're done. Like you can't go to the field. You're worth as a Marine. Like if you can't go to the field, you're worthless. Like especially when you're in an artillery unit, like you're. It's, you know, you can't go to the field. You're like, what are you doing? Right. You might as well just be gone. So they processed me out. They just let me do the rest of my time. And then I was like, all right, call it a day. So I the worst part for me, though, is not the fact of the transition back. It was the fact that, like, I really wanted to do the Marine Corps like a long term. Right. And I didn't have an option anymore. So that left me like, OK, what am I going to do? You know, so that that was my problem. I think uh, that hit me harder but that also hits a lot of people hard when they get out of the marine like any military like okay i'm gone like what this is my life for the past what x amount of years like what do i do um luckily for me at the time i had that business that i was running with my parents and then they got bought out and then i was running two of the businesses uh with the corporate side of things and then that also failed and then again i like had to hit the reset button i was like what the fuck am i gonna do and i think for anybody who's listening to this podcast and wants to 
get out and try and figure out what they're going to do. I would highly recommend to do what you did in the Marine Corps or just do what you did in the armed services. Choose a direction. If it sucks, go back. But just choose a direction. I think a lot of people have problems with just like not motivating themselves that they were in the Marine Corps because military is very regimented. Like, okay, this month you're at base. Next month we're going to Hijidai. So prepare for Hijidai. After Hijidai, we're there for three months. We come back. After those three months, you're on base for one month. It's like your life is planned for you and you just have to like go along for the ride. When you have your life back in your hands, you're the one driving. And that's a problem. A lot of people have a problem with that. Um, I have a problem so with advice it now for me. So, yeah, I feel that. Yeah. Like what's going on? I mean, not not so much like a problem. I have a very difficult time uh, committing to a career field um, or something mm. that I enjoy because I'm in the financial field now. Um, four years ago, I had no experience in it whatsoever. I got mm. referred into a position I wasn't qualified for. I failed the first interview on and they initially told me like, no, this isn't going to work. Uh, the family friend had talked to the manager and was like, give him a chance. He'll be great. So I went in at a contract position so they didn't have to take any actual risk on me. Uh, went into training, got hired on as a permanent employee before I finished training, uh, as a mutual fund specialist, did that for a couple of years, liked it. and then just got complacent. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I find myself once I get complacent in something, I lose interest. So I constantly Mm -hmm. am turning. And going down a different field or a different path, which is great for me and like experience different fields, but I'm never actually progressing anywhere because once I get to a point where mm. I feel like I should be moved up and if I don't, I'm like, all right, well, I'm done. I'm going to go somewhere else, but then I'm starting right. back at the bottom. So I don't have like the, it's not planned out for me. I'm constantly moving between one thing. I think if I had that structure or like someone else kind of driving my car for me, I'd be a lot farther mm. along in one area than I would be now. Right. Do you feel like that's a value judgment? Like, are you thinking you're valuing yourself higher, like where you should be? Or are you like judging yourself? Are you judging your, your current standing with where you think you should have been? Um, well, the reason I would say yes and no, I definitely do think I overvalue myself in certain aspects in my career. Um, where I think mm-hmm. I should be getting either a paid more or be in a different position. I think the reason that I feel that way, um, when I moved to the previous employer, when I had left them, uh, I had done a lot of things that weren't in my job description to be quote unquote, a team player and improve my worth. Uh, for example, the job I was hired on for was strictly just to help mutual fund companies and their clients. I would do all the shareholder servicing, any purchases, redemptions, re-registrations, tax inquiries, cost basis, establishing of trusts, estates, um, anything along the lines of that I would do for them. Well, then I started taking on cleaning institutional trades, uh, training new hires, uh, you know, helping them streamline the training process in general. So now I'm working directly with institutional clients, working with the funds, doing all of the stuff. When promotion and, and raise time came, I got five cents. Right. Excuse me. Um, I'm doing all of this extra stuff. A, because I'm asked, you know, hey, do you think you could do this? Sure. I don't know how to do it, but I'll learn because you asked with the anticipation. And I think a fair expectation that when the time comes to hand out raises or promotions are available, 
oh, Dylan's been doing all this extra stuff. He does all this. He does it well. He's not complaining. Comes in late, stays in early, or comes in early, stays late. I was like, damn, um, coming in late, I leaving early. The fuck, fuck I it. Yeah. I run this place. Um, that sounds like you got that sham shield. Yeah. And <laughs> during this process, like certain promises had been made to me. Hey, we'll move you up when this time comes. You'll get this pay raise. Restructuring occurred. Nothing was kept. So I felt burned. And I think that's where I now overvalue myself because while mm. I proved myself at that company, I haven't, you know, at the new one. So my mindset is, well, I should be paying, get paid all this because look at everything that I've done. And, you know, the, their company's mind, it's we just fucking hired you. Like, why right. do you think that matters to us? If you weren't getting paid to do that and it wasn't in your job description, you didn't do it unless you have proof. I feel like a lot of jobs are no. And that's why I have a hard right. time with it because I value myself as what I've done and what I know I could do, but not what I'm necessarily doing for them. Yeah. This is why I wanted to business for myself, man. Like, yeah. you know, I don't think, I think me and you share that sentiment. Like for, for example, at the last job I had, um, I was working at a home health company working with like veterans and hospice for during the pandemic, which was like emotionally taxing. I was taking on way too many clients and way too many things and we were staying busy and I was doing well, you know, at the job and the job paid okay, but emotionally it was taxing. But when it came to, again, restructuring, moving areas or, or uh, pay increase and stuff like that. It was during a pandemic, so they didn't have the money. And I was like, well, why am I taking on this emotional and more clients, more so workload and also emotionally taxing during a fucking pandemic and I can't get paid more. So, you know, I like took a step back. And I was like, okay, what do I got going for me, man? I, who, you know, at the end of the day, who really values you? Well, yourself. Right. You know what you're worth. And if you can stand behind yourself and think that you're worth something, then the only logical thing to do is try to do it for yourself. And if that fucking fails, that's where that motto comes in. Like you can always go get a job. Yeah. Like and, and, you know, something that I've learned over the years, it's not always about the amount of money that you're going to make. Mm -hmm. it, it, you have to be happy in doing what you're doing. And, you know, everyone always says, you know, if you find a job that you love, you never work a day in your life. And you know, it, cliche as it is it's actually true i i loved being artillery i loved it it was so much fun mm -hmm. like you get to tell people like oh yeah you're in the army what do you do oh, yeah i blow shit up for a living yeah no one's gonna understand you know artillery but it's like yeah i blow shit up i loved it but you know i love photography even more and like uh going out a day and shooting a thousand frames isn't work to me it's just what I love. Yeah, I, I agree with that statement to an extent. Um, I, th I think at some point it's inevitable that it's going to become work because some days you're not going to want to go and do it. You're just not going to you know, feel like it and you're going to have to do it because it's your job. And then I think the enjoyment of doing it, you know, when you wanted to kind of wears itself down on you a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. But I definitely agree with the statement that you just mentioned, Benji, of I mean, I obviously, yes, making money is important and you unfortunately can't really have a, not a successful life because I don't think that's true, but a life that provides you to do a lot of the extra things that you like without financially being able to, to support those things that you want to do. Uh, one of the jobs I took after my last job was at JP Morgan. It was a $20,000 raise for my previous job. 
And I just left that job because I didn't like it. And I went back down to what I was making previously, but it's something that I enjoy more. Now I'm thankfully it's still enough to, you know, pay all my bills and still do other things that I, I like to do. I definitely don't think that people should do jobs just because the sake that it pays more money is great. But if you're miserable six days out of the week, what good is that seventh day for spending that money? I think being happier and maybe having to choose between things that you want to do is going to suck temporarily, you know, in that decision. But those other six days out of the week are going to be happier. And I, I, I don't think I'll ever find a job that I absolutely don't think is work and that I think is like I'm gifted to be able to do it. I think in my mindset, work is work, no matter how I look at it. If it's something I love or not, at some point it's going to wear down on me. I mean, it's being pessimistic given my previous job history and like experiences with it. I have a difficult time grappling with, you know, work will never be a job. Um, leveled for you, if I'm not mistaken, you do content creation full time now, correct? Right. And that's actually some of the things that you were saying, like, is kind of what I hinted at when we first started talking. Um, I think it's a mix of both of what Benji said and what you said. Like, it's it's this big it's this mix, because, for example, I work probably 12 hour days, probably every single day. But again, to Benji's point, it doesn't really feel like work because I am I'm a very creative person. Like, okay, let me put this let me backtrack a little bit. So when I got out of the Marine Corps, I started um, teaching kids how to play music. I used to run two schools of rock where I teach kids to play music and I played music. So I, I've naturally been a creative like entertainer. Like I used to go on stage like every month, you know, playing in a band for six years. Like I did it for a long time. So when it came to like playing with people, being entertaining, teaching kids and, and music, like I loved creativity. Um with that in mind it is still work like what people don't realize like for example like when you're playing music to put this in perspective people see the finished product they see they see the songs being played on stage but what they don't see is the months of practice prior they don't see the lugging of the gear at 5 a.m. to get there by 7 to only play for 30 minutes at 3 p.m. You know what I mean? Like they Beer don't cans being thrown at you. Yeah. You, d- like that. you don't. If you fuck up on stage, it's like four months of preparation to f- get a fuck up on stage. And this like the soul crushing feeling of it. But it's also the other the highs, though. It's also like you f- you you know that sacrifice is going to happen in the beginning because you get to play on stage and that's your happy place. You know what I mean? Like all of it kind of comes together. So with content creation, I kind of take it the same way. It's like right now I'm in this building phase. I don't think content creators ever stop building, but the ones who truly fail really badly, those are the ones who underestimated the amount of work it would take to get to that spot and to get to that kind of like, it's like it's kind of like juggling a ball like you're you're when you're a streamer or a content creator you're constantly trying to keep the ball in the air but it's gonna drop over time it's just how well are you at catching it and throwing it back up that's That's the fantastic analogy that's 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 the trick people don't realize that because they think honestly like a lot of people on twitch i'm just turn the camera on and play my game it's what everybody else is doing no i mean it's some people are sure but if they're trying to do this full time you have to treat it as if it's this imaginary ball that might get a little kick up in the air and you might have that high, but it's going to fucking come down. And it's how you react to when it comes down. 
like right now it's great it's a great time because my 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 business metrics that I'm using are my amount of impressions I'm getting, the audience that I'm creating, uh, obviously my channel analytics, but not so much the channel as well as all these other things I'm doing. Like I'm just created a merch line. So I'm working on that. You know, I'm also creating uh, new stuff for my stream. So I'm working on that. I'm doing video editing. I'm working on that. I have a, I am now doing freelance work on Fiverr to help people set up their OBSs. I'm doing that. So it's like now I have to think about it in a multi-level leveled way and it's not just turning the camera on you know what right. i mean i think people underestimate that i think for content creation in general whether it's video editing or youtube or twitch or whatever just content creation people get into it because they either do two things they want to make money doing it or they want to be like somebody right those two things or those both can be together but people think and they just start but one thing that I really want to drive home for people who are listening. Just because you start and you suck does not mean that you will suck forever. It is so annoying to watch people who think that it's going to just fall in place. Like it is a lot of fucking work and you're going to suck. And the amount of work that you put in in the beginning is not going to translate later on. It's what I mean by that is the work that you're putting in right now is still just creating shitty content. But eventually that shitty content, you will look back and be like, Ooh, that was terrible. It's still the, the level of work is the same, but your content has gotten better because you just keep doing it. People always undermine. They don't think about that. It's, it's not because you magically woke up and you're like, Oh, my content's great. Now it's literally a mile long pound of shit to find one gold bar. Like, but it's a mile long of just trudging through shit. <laughs> it just is. I, yeah. And I, I, I can piggyback on yeah. that because if I look at my photos from a year and a half ago, I'm looking like, man, those are fucking garbage. And even my, my wife sees it, how far I've come in just a year and a half of actually dedicating self to photography and it's the same thing you're gonna you're gonna put out those steaming piles of shit and just you know over time you're gonna see how that shit becomes gold then it becomes diamonds then it's platinum and it's just you know it just got to keep at it it's not gonna happen overnight but it will happen over time yeah yeah and Go and go ahead. Uh, I use a uh, as I've joked about it in your your Twitch channel when talking about the podcast. I always say the best mm-hmm. episode is the one that hasn't come out yet. Every yep. time I do it, I you know you get better at it. You learn things as you do it. Like our first episode that I ever recorded, this my opinion was god awful, but it's a starting point. And then from there, you learn something new and you constantly get better at it and better at it. I think anybody who just decides, oh, I'm going to do this tomorrow and it's going to be easy you're only setting yourself up for failure. You have to understand that it's it's a growing process. Growing isn't always easy and sometimes it hurts and it's shitty, but as long as you keep doing it, you're going to get better at it. You know, whether it takes you a month if you're lucky to you know, catch on quickly and become great at it or it may take you 2 or 3 years, but in, you know, a year after you've done doing it, the stuff you're going to put on now, you're not going to change the fact that it took you that long to get good at it because that's 
you've learned that entire time. And if you give up the time doing it, you're not going to be where you are now. So I think just having that mindset, absolutely. You know, if that ball falls, how good are you at throwing it back in the air? And if it turns out you're not, then, you know, not to be rude about it, but maybe what you're doing isn't what you should be doing. If that right. Or to, to piggyback off that, actually, I think that analogy is good. The only thing I would change is like, it's not necessarily how good you are at picking the ball back up. It's how good are you at looking at your mistakes? Like, what did you do wrong? How well can you literally look at the look in the mirror and say, ooh, why is this not working well? Yeah. Why is this shitty? I had to change my mindset from like, oh, that didn't do well. Instead of saying, oh, that didn't do well. It's why didn't that do well? It's a constant look at like, okay, I put X amount of hours into this. It produced this and it performed this way. Okay, what can I do to fix those three metrics, right? How can I get faster, better, stronger at making that that piece of content? How can I make it more enjoyable for people? And how do I increase those metrics through enjoyment? I think people always look at it like, well, that was a flop. Done. On to the next piece of content, right? But it's not. It's it's you can learn from those mistakes. Just like I luckily for me, like I have a background in music. I mean, every song and my dog is barking. So the dog's going crazy. Um, Every song that I was learning starts out like a big pile piece of shit. It's just terrible. Every song I've ever learned. Notes. Yeah. Timings off. You're 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 bent. Like I used to play guitar. I play bass, drums. and I do vocals. So. Like drums are my favorite. And so learning a new drum song, like you get like this baseline foundation and then you kind of pick and choose and, and tweak little things here and there until you get a finished product. Content creation is somewhat similar where like if I get a bunch of clips together, I don't know what those clips are going to turn into half the time. I have like a basic idea. There's the foundation. And then when I put it into the editor, that's where I get to like, oh, this piece goes here. This piece goes here. This flows this way. This transition is good this way. This audio is good here. Oh, this audio sucks. You know, you kind of figure something out. And then when you put it out to the market, it's either good or it's bad. There's no in between. Nobody cares. You can't help it. You can't. I mean, it's, it, people yeah. vote with their eyeballs, their view time. And, and this is what it is. And But you can use that to your advantage because if people watched it, it means you were doing something right. Try and recreate that the next time. If you're doing something wrong, look at it. Say, okay, this was this was. I see why they stopped watching at four minutes and twenty three seconds. This happened at that time and they clicked off. Okay, great. I can let's avoid that. Um, but here's also something to kind of change the subject yeah. a bit, right? Um, here's something that people don't also do as well, and I think that people should do. So. When you start streaming, uh, let's say streaming, for example, uh, you're going to suck, right? We've already established that. Whatever you do as a new skill, you're oh, going to suck. I deleted my VODs. Ooh. Yeah. Just Ooh. some of them. I mean, I have <laughs> I have some of my shit from when I first started. It's rough, right? Now, you know? Um, the problem is this, is that most people don't look at their old VODs because they don't want to see their, they don't like, they don't look at their old stuff, right? Or they stop trying, they just, they stop trying to recreate the wheel. They stop trying to put stuff into their stream. And I fell into that trap for a while, man. And it's easy to do like, oh, numbers are going okay. Things are fine. We're growing slowly. This is good. It's organic, yada, yada, yada. But if you're not constantly looking at your own stuff and saying, what can I do better? Then you've already given up. I like absolutely 
when I started streaming about a year and a half before I met you on Twitch, um, I went in with a terrible, terrible mindset of this is going to I'm going to make it. Mm -hmm. And I went in accepting nothing less than that, which I think was very detrimental towards my enjoyment of streaming because Mm -hmm. I went in very, very focused on I'm staring at that viewer count. I'm staring at interactions. And I think that was, as I mentioned, really detrimental. Not that I think I'm necessarily a very entertaining person. Um, I I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I do offer unique things through either conversational or terrible gameplay or just quick wit and sarcasm. Mm -hmm. But when streaming, I not took off fast. I had gotten my like affiliate badge probably maybe a month and a half and two months of streaming once I like rebranded to uh, the future classic because I had my name on Twitch a while ago. And yeah, it was great. I was like, this is going to be fantastic. I got momentum. And then all of a sudden I hit like a wall and it was Mm -hmm. no one was there. No one was, you know, chatting, interacting. Everything just kind of fell. And I unfortunately took the mindset of, well, my content hasn't changed, so I can't be doing anything wrong. They probably just Mm. went somewhere else, which I think is a terrible, terrible mindset to have. Because instead of, well, what have I done to you know, make them go elsewhere or no longer be interested. I took it as, well, they were already here. They already liked it. So they probably just found something else, but more people will come Mm. and find me and have that same mentality, which I think is terrible. Mm. I think if you're not doing something well or good enough as you think you should be, chances are it's probably not other people's fault. People will look in and, and they'll tune into you, but why should they stay? And I think Mm -hmm. I had a difficult time doing that. And I think with you, what's really impressive is that I've watched you, you know, I was one of your first 10 subs on Twitch, which I come in and just often brag about. But yeah, yeah, it's that first (laughs) badge right over here. Yeah, Uh, Do you have this badge? You don't? That's weird. It's crazy. You branch out into so many different avenues. I mean, I, when I started watching you were Twitch, but now, I mean, you still do Twitch. You have YouTube, you do TikTok, you have your own podcast. I mean, that's incredible, A, because you are managing all of that, but you're consistent with it and your Instagram and a merch line and now fucking Fiverr. I mean, you are all over the board here not in a bad way that's great you're planting seeds in you know all these different markets for people to find out who you are and i think that's great for building a fantastic foundation as far as Mm -hmm. setting yourself up for success but if any of those avenues were to have an opportunity to become your primary source of uh, of income or that would require your attention would you cut down on the other avenues for example if Fiverr took off for you and that took up all your time would you stop streaming no absolutely not yeah i think okay you had a couple things in there i really want to address so for example like that mindset that you were talking about when you're streaming like i think every stream i don't think it's wrong i think every streamer starts that way you get into streaming because you want to do well Mm -hmm. nobody starts streaming is like this is a fuck it I'm just going to do it for fun. No, that is a lie. You're telling yourself a lie. Every, you would not invest in OBS, watch the YouTube tutorials, 
play the correct games, network with people on Twitch. You wouldn't do all watch your favorite streamers, give them fucking money and then expect nothing in return when you turn the camera. Yeah, on. you wouldn't. Nobody does. It's a lie. It just. It's a lie. OK, it's the same thing as like, oh, yeah, I'm just following for following because it's good. And I just want to chill vibe. It's a fucking it's a grift. <laughs> people are grifting. It just is what it is. You like, pay four ninety nine for out. a view botter to get yourself off no. the bottom of the list yeah. for fun. Um, no, you're not just coming to network. You're trying for me. You're trying to get views and get eyeballs in your own shit. What people make the mistake and what helped me transition to do most, most of these things is because I stopped giving a shit about who's actually watching me and I started giving a shit about my own content. And then that's how I got views is not by I'm just just being genuine. Yeah. Like I'm not going to follow for follow. If I don't like your content, I won't fucking watch it. Like it just I just won't, you know, because yeah. with the same intention of like when you come to my stream, if you like it, great. And if you don't, great. Like. It's it just but it's mine. You know, it's like I've made it from the ground up. I've built this thing. And my goal is that, you know, eventually I want it. Sure. I would love to do this for for a living to make all my money on Twitch or all my money on Fiverr. But realistically, I'm an average streamer. So as an average streamer, I've got to find other ways of making money. I'm not a Nick Merckx or a Tim the Tap Man. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I don't even have that mentality. I don't even. Or double lift. Yeah. Or a ninja. None of those guys like and I. I don't expect to even be like those guys that that I just want my content to be to have a wow factor. And that wow factor to me is different than a lot of people because it's it's specific to me, which also brings in the specific viewership. So I know that if I'm going to grow, it's going to have to be organically and it's going to be people who actually like my content, which makes them come back organically. So it's like this self-perpetuating thing, but it is what it is. So. To your point, uh, everybody does start wanting to make money doing Absolutely. it. And I fell into that trap, too. You're not alone. I don't think anybody who streamed is it was alone like, Get feeling rich that quick. way. Yeah, everybody thinks they're going to. Oh, getting... hey, look at me. I got a pretty face. I'm going to get affiliate. Right, right. So, like, it's funny that you said you got affiliate so fast. It took me, like, six fucking months to get affiliate. Because, again, I didn't pay for bots. I didn't follow for follow. I just... Just did my thing. I was working full time, so I didn't take streaming as seriously. But I fell into that trap of like, ooh, maybe, maybe this could be the thing. Right. Maybe I can make the money doing this. Like, you know, I started putting more and more time into it. Um, and then if we look at my numbers, and if people can go onto Twitch Tracker right now, look up Level AF and look back June of 2019, or excuse me, May of 2019 to August of 2019, my numbers are literally a flat line. Like no new followers, no new subscriptions, no nothing. And I was like, literally, I made a decision. I was like, you know what? I'm done looking at my numbers. I am like that. I'm, I'm done looking my, for viewerships. I am done looking for for somebody else to tell me I'm good. Right. I'm done with that. I'm done. What I'm going to do instead is I'm going to do what I do best. I'm going to put my head to the grind. I'm going to make shit that I find funny and that I enjoy doing. I will share it. And then the market will decide if it's good or if it's bad. But having that self-drive of constantly trying to make my own content better <laughs> is what I hope. Again, I'm never where I want to be. So you have to kind of like it's this fine balance of being happy with what you're doing in the moment, but still have a plan and focus on the future. Like that's where I'm at. So to your second point, like if Fiverr ever took off or if Twitch ever took off or the podcast ever took off, I would what I would do is I would change the timing 
of all but never drop any so for example if fiverr took up more of my day then my content strategy would change i would drop one youtube video a week i would drop three tiktok videos a week instead of once a day i would stream one less day but be still intrigued and adding new stuff to my stream once a week like i would make it work because it's obviously something i like doing so with that in mind it's just the focus is always on the content regardless of the form that's my that's my ace in the hole. That's my why people should watch me is because I'm constantly no matter what, if I'm not the camera's not on, I'm doing something for the for the viewers, no matter what. Well, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, the way that you brand yourself out is, is super smart in a lot of different ways from those you have on Fiverr. They're like, well, this guy knows a lot about it. Let's check out his stuff and, and see if it's great. But I think, yeah, if one of your things ever did take off, like if TikTok or YouTube or streaming um, or even your podcast, those all are intertwined with each other. So if your mm-hmm. podcast took off, you don't have to stop TikTok. You could just kind of change the focus of what the TikTok is. It could be things on your yep. podcast. Or if your YouTube took off, well, it could be, you know, clips or segments on your stream and, and anything along the lines of that. All that content feeds into each other, which I think is mm-hmm. super smart and a great way to do it. Something that I'll eventually try and branch into doing like YouTube. I'm not comfortable with editing in that nature right. yet. So I'm staying away from it until I have a groundwork for it. But really, the way that you've done it, you know, as I keep mentioning, super smart, because if one takes off, it just boosts the others. It's not like if one takes off, then the others are left behind. It's, you know, TikTok may be the, you know, accelerator in the car, but the car is YouTube, it's Twitch, it's Fiverr, it's everything. So if one goes, it's all coming with you. Right. And I built that by design. And um, it's not like. I was like, oh, yeah, I like TikTok. I don't actually like TikTok. I don't like I don't like I YouTube. fucking love TikTok. I don't watch a lot of YouTube. I, you know, I can't stand TikTok. you know, but here's the here's the funny thing is like I'm a business person, but I also come from like I was poor growing up. Yeah, like I was poor. Like I came from necessity and I came from like, all right, so I have a little small story. Um, so my mom was a real estate agent. And when we were in Florida, I lived, used to live in Florida. Shocker. Um when I lived in Florida, we moved around a lot because my mom would buy a house, flip the house, we'd move, right? So I moved probably 18 times in the same county for like most of my childhood years, right? My mom built her dream house. Like like it was three-story. We lived there. It was amazing. It was near the beach. It was great, right? 2008 happened. She lost it all. Oof. So everything so my whole life has been feast or famine like it's always been like hey the getting is good enjoy it because it's not going to be here forever or it was famine where it's like we don't we can't do this because we don't have money so fucking buckle up you know that's my life so with that in mind i learned as a business person like i went to school for business and then when i got out of school when i actually ran businesses and again that same mentality is true it's either feast or famine and so with my streaming, it's the exact same. Like if Twitch takes off and I, let's say I was only a Twitch streamer, if Twitch decided to cut my ad revenue, famine. And I was like, you know what? Fuck that. I'm going to future proof this. I'm going to have as many hands and as many baskets as I possibly can. So if one does bad, another can do good. Right. And I'm never I am just diversifying. That's all I'm doing right now. And and again, you're right, though. Like I did it by design, like my for example, for editing, I can create a uh, 720p video 
and take that video and make it to two minute video that goes on YouTube. I can take that same video, change the aspect ratio and turn that into a phone that's 1080. And then now that goes to YouTube shorts and TikTok and all my reels on Instagram. So that same video is now posted four times. And then I can post clips of that in under 30 seconds and post that to 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 Twitter or Facebook or wherever else or a compilation for next month. I mean, it's just being smart with the content instead of having to like, like I never go into streaming thinking, Oh, I'm going to get clips today. Like never how it goes. It's just, I try and create these dynamic, um, moments in my stream that's what i've really focused on like if you've you've been to my stream so you know like i've got like gifts and sounds and i'm kind of like this over-the-top personality but that's this would be funny this is the first time i've said this out loud to anybody but that's that's my my stage my stage persona that's leveled i call him i call him leveled yeah that is my stage that is not Usually I'm a chill fucking guy who drinks like drinks and hangs out. Like that's my like me as a person. Like but leveled is what I've built and that's why the leveled brand like my merch is branded leveled, my YouTube is leveled, my Twitch is leveled. Like it's that because that is my persona when I'm streaming and because of that I'm able to be a little bit crazier. I'm able to create dynamic moments. Like if you come to my stream, it's chaos. I hate chaos. <laughs> I'm a Marine. I hate chaos. I hate it. I like everything has to be in order. Dress. right. Yes. Yes. Like I hate chaos. So it's so awkward for me to have to like put on this persona, but it feels right because it's again, from when I was a kid, this feast or famine and also being an entertainer is like, I need to be entertaining. So how can I do this? I'm going to make a stage name, man. I'm going to do this. Like I know how I'm going to go on stage. Like, And just go have some fun, man. And so my content is supposed to um, is my goal for my content. And I'm still nailing that down. I think it's a it's a constant evolution is trying to um, bring it to the next level. Just one percent better every single week. That's my motto. One percent better. That's it. By the end of the year, it's three hundred. That's over three hundred percent better. So it's got to keep That's like three hundred. Any improvement is levels, bro. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you, you, you do your persona very, very well, and I understand like it clashes with your, you know, your Marine upbringing. That's never going to leave you. But I enjoy your streams, and your, your persona is over the top, and it's very much like Gene Simmons versus his Kiss character. Yeah, and I'm not sure if that's where you got your inspiration from, but it is. It's there. No, man. I mean, some of it's from. Um it's mostly from when I was playing music because I used to be a lead. So I would, when I was singing, I'd be a, the lead man, having to talk to the crowd, having to, ha- having to interact, having to be on key, having to, ha- having to just be this extra persona, even if I didn't feel like it. Like, hey, lights are on, the mic is on, you gotta turn up, man, you gotta be there. And so I'd always be this over the top. Hey, what's going on? Let's go. Let's we're going. Like we're gonna do this song. Like. You know, stuff like that. So I just took that same mentality and I brought that to streaming. Because um, even if you look at my old streams before before Leveled mm-hmm. came came around, uh, before that, that whole persona, um, it, I mean, my streams were very chill, you know, like just kind of relaxing, a little bit of funny moments here and there. And that was about it. But, you know, now... It just is what it is. It just kind of evolved into this thing. Yeah, you were. Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, when I first tuned into you, it was very 
not you not you are drastically different from what you are now um but i'd say definitely more timid i think one of the cool things that i've experienced while watching you is a just the evolution of, of you streaming and a being more comfortable and i'd say yeah definitely outgoing uh if this is a persona you're fucking killing it uh as far as that kind of like level just the general guy where if you're walking out he's gonna come up to you and be like hey what's up how you doing man um i i think something that i not am envious of um but i think it is really cool is your relationship with your sister when you're streaming when i had initially started watching you it was just you and now as time's progressed i've seen your sister come on you know more and more if i'm not mistaken now she's gonna start streaming on her own yep. would you say that streaming with your sister has helped strengthen your relationship with her from not doing it prior or is it kind of just like well it's my sister we're gonna hang out and stream together uh, my sister and I have always been very close. I don't think it's really changed so much the dynamic of that. I'm just happy because my sister's finding a hobby that I also enjoy. Right. So we're able to share something, which that's that's really where it comes down to. Like me and her, like we have this thing like she's she's going to be live with me tonight, actually. And we're going to be we always get wings. We always get some drinks. We hang out. We talk content. We kind of talk about what we're going to do. Best Saturday night. Yeah, exactly. We just get to hang out. So, uh you know, it's fun. It's nice to see that I've built something and am, am having fun with it. And she's noticed it. Yeah. And then she wants to be a part of it now. Like, that's the ultimate, like, that's incredible. Kudos. You know what I mean? Like, I love that. And it's fun because I can show her all these things that I fucking stumbled on for the past how many years I've been streaming right. and making content. I can just show her to, like, avoid. You know what I mean? So it feels good to, I can kind of, like, mentor her on, like, hey, this is how we do it. But it's obviously brought us a little bit closer because it's something that we can now share, you know? Yeah, like, I, I think there's nothing nice. better than when you have a general passion for something and someone close to you expresses interest in it. Not in my mind, it's kind of like a like a validation. Like, yeah, this is super cool, isn't it? Like, here, let me show you these yeah. cool things about it. I think it's great that she also enjoyed it so much where now she's she's doing it as well um which i think yeah. is incredible for the two of you to kind of sh share that uniquely together and you know offering tips and tricks and stuff or charging her on fiverr to set up your youtube which by the way you should do no family discounts <laughs> <laughs> i charge her for the gym so we're good you charge her for the gym yeah you're my yeah. personal trainer by the way doing a terrible job i'm still fat given uh, see that my <laughs> Uh, Are you sure you're not just looking at me? My, yeah, I'm the white guy. Uh, I know, contrary to my attitude. Um, my fault. I don't follow your shit. I got uh, sick I and I was it's like, fun. you know what? I just don't have time for this right now. Uh, <laughs> and now I have time. I'm like, I'm already this far behind. It is what it is. About that refund. Yeah, right. But here's a, again, but I mean, the one thing I would say, um, you know, I've, I've learned over time is just like, one percent man like for example people always discredit they want to see the end result but they discredit like you don't do 100 push-ups you start doing 10 a day and you can do them one at a time yeah you know one yeah. every hour on your knees whatever, whatever. Just get them done people discredit the fact that they see they always see the end result and that's one thing i want to talk about too um is like people online you're seeing the best versions of them online yeah no matter where instagram tiktok twitter twitch you're seeing what they want you to see and even on my stream you're only seeing this corner of my room you're seeing what i 
perceive to you. You don't see everything else behind the scenes. Like, so take that into account. You're seeing an end result, but not the steps that it took to got the, get there. I, one thing, though, which is interesting is like, if you follow a streamer long enough, you do see them progress. Like I'm going to call somebody out right now. His name's Dizzy Delo. Um, I've seen, I've had him on my podcast before when he was averaging 10 people. Now he's averaging 50 to see his progression and the hard work I know he's put in. Like he's, he does a lot what I do. He does like a lot of, he has hands in a lot of different things, um, but he has fun doing it. But again, you know, He's a streamer. He's a human. Yeah. So there's got to be things going on with him, just like there's things going on with me and there's things going on with you. There's things going on with everybody. So, um, you know, I guess where I was going with this is like when you're when you're creating content, it's not going to be all peaches and rainbows. You might get to do the things you love to do. Like, I, again, I'll say it again. Like I work 12 hours a day and not every day is fucking great, but you just got to keep going. There's no stop. You're already on the train, you know, and at the end of the day, your backup plan is if things go tits up, get a job like that's your backup plan. Like you can make money. Money shouldn't be the problem. Like you can make money if you really absolutely need to. You can make money. But if you're not. If you're not trying to make content the best you can and then enjoying the small victories, you're really missing the big picture. You're shooting for the moon without even building the rocket ship at this point. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You you gotta do. You gotta put the time um, in. Speaking of what you want us to see and how you know, just we're seeing this small corner of the room. I I I know our listeners can't see it, but you gotta tell me what's up with that ROK flag. Ah, okay, yeah. So for everybody who's who's listening at home, um, so come by the stream. I'll show you this flag. It's a it's Republic of Korea flag. When I was in the Marine Corps, I was over in Okinawa. And when I was in Okinawa, we uh, did some some time over in Republic of Korea with the Rock Marines. Well, um, ended up where I had this time, this field op where we were shooting artillery and uh, Soju involved. Yeah, right. So so the Rock <laughs> Marines they came and come hang out with us, and we we did this competition where we uh, we did a, a tug of war competition between the Rock Marines and us. And I was one of the bigger guys there, so I was like, all right, I'm going to be in this for sure. We destroyed them, and so we took their flag, and uh, I got to keep it. So <laughs> it congratulations yeah. on stealing a Republican of Korea. This is flag. no hate against the the Rock Marines. They are some tough bastards. They are some oh, yeah. tough bastards. Oh, yeah. We've trained with them because I was with the 25th. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we would all go Korea, Australia, right. Japan, like the whole Thailand. Mm-hmm. But yeah, ROK is no joke. They are tough sons of bitches because they got that dumbass to the north. Yeah, did you do the snake? Did you do the, the snake blood? Yeah. Oh, dude. So, okay. There's a, okay. I don't know. Never if, again. All right. All right. So this stuff is crazy. So there's a little, there's a little thing that you do after you do a joint training op. Um, they do this thing. They cut a snake's head off and you drink the blood. It's a weird. Absolutely not. I don't know. I don't know what it's about, but yeah, I, I didn't Never do that. Again. I'm not doing Never that crap. Again. I saw somebody do that. I was like, nope. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Pass. I'm like, I don't need to prove myself here. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Snake blood. Well, it was after like a 15 day field problem. Like, hey, try this. I'm like, uh, okay, what is it? Uh, oh, what the fuck? Yeah, dude. Like, yeah, snake blood. Oh, yeah. Ugh, no, I'm good. I'm good. Just like when we had to drink the swab uh, water. I was like, I'm good. Like, I did that, but I was like, mm, I did it once and I'm good, dude. Ugh. No, swab. Oh, Ugh. God, no. My favorite thing was always getting the uh, the FNG, mm-hmm. tying them to the tube and put it at 16. 
If there if there's one thing that that's going to stick with me here for this, it's cutting off a head and drinking snake blood. There's ever a way to end yeah. something. I suppose that's the way to go out. Yeah, that's the way. Uh, Level to thank you very, oh. very much for joining me and Benji here uh, on our, our guest series here at the Outer Hours podcast. We do enjoy it greatly. It's been a blast. People are going to look for you. Yeah, where uh, where are they going to find Super you fire. at? Uh, you guys can just literally Google leveled AF uh, and it's you guys can find me on Twitch. I'm literally everywhere. So literally Google leveled AF and it will bring you to one of many links. Uh, but I would highly recommend you come to my Twitch page. Come check that out. And if you guys want any advice, also join my discord. It's called leveled town. Just look up leveled town. You'll also find that as well. So level town. Well, again, we uh, we greatly appreciate it. And if you enjoy our outer hours content, please do give us a follow over on Twitter at outer hours or Instagram at outer dot hours. We'll, uh, we'll see you Wednesday. 